1964, Canadian theorist Marshall McLuhan coined the now famous phrase, the medium is the message. The expression is often invoked in discussions about new and emerging technology, especially as regards the potential of the technology to structure our perception and intellectual processes. What McLuhan saw is that communication is never pure content. What is said is always bound up with how that meaning passes from one person to another. The idea even suggests that a change of medium can result in a change in how we experience the world. We all understand this intuitively, even if we would be hard-pressed to articulate it as concisely as he does. A text message, a post on your social media page, a handwritten card, and a homemade triple-layer chocolate cake under a floating blaze of candles may all communicate happy birthday. But I think we would all agree that the medium used affects how we hear that simple message. A text message simply cannot carry the depth of meaning and personal interest that a well-chosen card and graceful note can convey. Nor can that text message hold a candle to the time spent in the kitchen baking, frosting, and washing up. And that card or cake carries a superadded message of love that does have power to change how we see the world. We likewise understand that the medium always constrains the message. How a story is told depends a great deal on the medium used in the telling. A novelist and a motion picture director may take the same story for their subject, but the results will never be identical. A novel allows access to a character's thoughts of which a movie can only dream, while the visual medium of the movie offers different opportunities. It is perhaps unfair to compare a movie adaptation to the original novel, as the two cannot be the same. A carpenter's tools cannot be used to paint a portrait, nor the painter's brushes be used to craft furniture. Generally, however, what we focus on is content and the ways that messages shaped, strengthened, or contradicted by the medium escapes our notice. This is important for us as Christians, for if we attend only to the content of the gospel, we may misunderstand. Indeed, what is the medium of the gospel? It is the God-man, Christ Jesus, the Incarnate Word. In Jesus, we find perfect congruence of medium and message. What he says is who he is. When Jesus speaks of the kingdom, he is speaking of himself. When he preaches, the kingdom is at hand, he is saying, I, your king, am here. In his deeds, he enacts what he proclaims. In his parables, he declares that the kingdom is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, because he is in search of fine pearls, you and I. And when he finds us, he will go to the cross and divest himself of all his majesty and glory, if only he may redeem us. This brings us to today's gospel. Considered only as a matter of message, looking only at what Jesus says, it can be unclear. Jesus reads from Isaiah, sits down, and proclaims the prophecy fulfilled. Does he mean that by reading the passage he has fulfilled it? How are we to understand his statement? It is here that Mr. McLuhan may be of assistance, 
If Jesus is the communicating medium of his message, if he enacts what he says, then we must pay close attention to what he does as well. But he doesn't do anything, you protest. But he does. He sits down, and he is silent. We can infer his silence from the fact that the eyes of all look intently at him. Jesus' fame was spreading, but I am sure that not everyone was paying perfect attention, just as our minds often wander during the readings. It is his silence that draws their attention until the eyes of all are upon him. He sits quietly, attentive and present to them all. Jesus has just enacted the fulfillment of the prophecy, and he has done it by his silence. The glad tidings he proclaims to the poor are that God will not hold our sins against us. If anyone has, a, has the right to reproach us for our misdeeds, surely it is our Creator whom we have abandoned, the lawgiver whose rules we have transgressed. And we know it. We fear to draw near to the one we have offended against and who is our only hope of healing. Our sins hold us captive so that we cannot approach our healer. Our vices blind us so that we cannot see his beneficence towards us. We are oppressed by guilt so that we hide in darkness. It is the silence of Jesus, the silence of God, that overthrows the power sin has over us, granting liberty, sight, and freedom. It is his silence that allows us to come to him with our heavy burden of sin and offense and seek forgiveness. This silence of Jesus here at the very beginning of his ministry has a parallel at the very end. St. Luke reports only three utterances of Jesus from the cross. His requests, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His reply to the penitential plea of the good thief, St. Dismas, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And his final words, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. As for the taunts, mockery, reviling, and blows heaped upon him, to these he says nothing. Like a lamb before the shearers is silent, he opens not his mouth, for he has come to save the world, not condemn it. In the liturgy, we find another instance of medium and message. The medium of the liturgical rites of the Mass and other sacraments convey the message of salvation. The particular character of the liturgical medium is that it does not merely speak about the salvation wrought in Christ Jesus. The message of the liturgy is Christ himself, present in our midst, reconciling the world to himself. According to his custom, Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth to proclaim glad tidings to the poor. It is this same Jesus offering us that same silence whom we may today draw near in the Eucharist and bring our sins knowing that if we confess them, he will not condemn, but in fidelity and justice will forgive. May all glory be to him, now and forevermore.